It's really great to be with you this morning. Dan sends his love. He, um, this year, we said to the church in Bath that we would come little and often. So every month he would go for about a week. He was planning on going for a week. And then we found out our dear friend and administrator there, her husband was diagnosed with cancer and he was dead the next day. So it's really a shock. The devil never plays fair. But you know what? The church is in revival there. The churches are coming together to pray. And so, praise the Lord. Thank you, God. He's with Jesus and he's not suffering anymore. But we contend and we keep pressing for more. Amen. So, this morning, I thought, well, some of you haven't seen me for a while. So, I thought I'd better tell you what I've been up to. And thanks to David, my lovely assistant over there, uh, David Trentham. We're going to try and show you some pictures. Let's start with that first one, if we can. I must talk lower, because when I listen to recordings, I sound like that. So I'm going to talk lower. Here is the Reynolds racetrack. After living in two countries for about 18 months, which wasn't a holiday, it was a lot of work, it was exhausting and very fruitful spiritually, Dan decided we would take our family vacation early. Some friends of ours lent us a beach house down in Alabama, so we only had to pay for the cleaning. So we decided we would drive down, have a week's holiday, and then drive across the United States of America to end up at a leaders' conference in Bethel in Reading, the church there at Reading. So I have just seen America. It was amazing. Uh, we traveled through, I think, 17 states, 23 days, 7,000 miles. <laughs> so I thought I'd just show you a snippet because it was amazing and it was an amazing adventure. But I think we went through every type of weather. We had severe rainstorms, golf ball size hailstones, snowstorms in the mountains. And let me just tell you, my rebuka is worn out. <laughs> And I don't like mountain roads, and I love Illinois because it's so flat. You know, I'm a faith girl, and we were never allowed to say that we were sick or never allowed to confess that we were afraid because we never tolerated fear in our house. But it's easy to say I'm not afraid of heights when I live in Illinois because I'm never confronted with it. So this trip, let me say, I was tested to the max. And thank you, Lord. What came out of the abundance of my heart was I'd pray in tongues and speak the word. So I overcame. But let me just show you some pictures. So... This is the racetrack. You start up here, you probably can't see it too well, but you start up there, go down to Alabama, then across through Texas, I think it's Arizona, Nevada, I'm gonna get my geography wrong, and the southern coast of California, all up the one, Highway One, that was amazing. Until we couldn't go any further because there was a thick fog and it said highway closed ahead, later on to find out some of it has fallen into the sea. <laughs> That's really funny. Okay, next picture. So. <laughs> This is my boys in San Antonio, Texas, the river walk. That was beautiful. Texas is amazing. Next, next slide. Okay, so this is our first tire incident. Let me just tell you. We are driving through. We hit a torrential rainstorm. And um, I, you can't see the car in front of you. And I see the car swerve. And I said, oh, Dan, he just swerved. And as soon as I said it, I see a tree in the road. And we go gung, 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 over the tree. And I shouted, Father, help us. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Thank you, Lord, it wasn't another word. Anyway, 
and praying in the spirit. We can't see, the car steadies, right? And as the, the traffic is slowing down, we can just about see something's going on. I said, Dan, do you think we should check out that tire? I've got a feeling about this. So we pull off, we look in the gas station underneath, and there's a whole bunch of tree wedged in there. So we take it to a station, a, gar a garage, and as we pull in, no joke, Across the road, a pylon explodes, right? And we go, whoa, what was that? And then we find out a truck had burst into flames along the road in front of us. I thought, I'm either in the next filming of a series of unfortunate events or I'm in the twilight zone. I'm like, what's going on? Anyway, these lovely Texans, slow talking, slow moving, <laughs> said, wow, this defies the laws of physics. It's wedged between the wheel and the tire. This should have lost air. First testimony, because we cried out to the Lord, Here's what he does. The tire is completely fine. We pay $18 and we're on the road again, right? Next day, right? What else? Oh, that's a bit of the tree. There you go. Oh, what else have we got? We got another tire one or no? What have you got there? That's another one. You'll see that one later. Have you got another tire one back there, David? No, just leave it there for a minute. Okay, so the next day, we, um, we're driving along in Texas. It's really big, isn't it? <laughs> So uh, <laughs> it's the biggest drive ever. Then we, something feels funny. So we pull off to this deserted top of, the, top of the hill gas station. It's all ramshackle, like the movies. And our back tire now is flat. And I go in the shop and I say to the girl, now this was strange to me. She's hunched over behind the till, stuffing her face, watching a tiny telly. <laughs> eating and I said oh excuse me do you have one of those air machines for the tires oh no it's broken sorry carries on stuffing her face and watching tv she doesn't care she's not bothered so I go back outside I'm praying lord help us so in the back of the car this car that we drove was new to us we bought it from a friend and in the back you lift out all the luggage and there's one of those donut wheels you know it's deflated so you inflate it you put it on so the boys had their first experience changing a tire good experience i'm praying the whole time it is tea time now everything's shutting down five or six o'clock right we are miles from anywhere and the nearest town is 20 minutes away so i'm saying father help us so we're praying we call up a garage and he says oh well we're all closing down today but i know a man named omar so I'm like, oh, okay, here's his number. So we call up this man named Omar, and he says, okay, I'll be waiting for you outside Hotel El Capitan. I'm like, Omar will be waiting. I hope he's not the devil. So we drive to this town, take ages with the little donut where you've got to go slower. And sure enough, this lovely bloke waits for us after hours, changes the tyre, pulls out a slither of metal from the second tyre. I'm like, these roads, my goodness. Um, they're so big, I'm sure they don't ever get to fix them. It must take forever. So anyway, second tyre. He, he's ever so sweet, fixes it, pay next to nothing, give him a bit more, we're back on the road. He was thrilled to find out we were pastors, like he's got brownie points in heaven or something. <laughs> so we get back on the road, and then we hit the biggest hailstorm I've ever been involved in in my life. The volume. I mean, maybe you're used to it. I've never been in that. The volume of these massive hailstones hitting our windscreen. I had my hand in front of my face the whole time. In the name of Jesus! In the name of Jesus! In the name of... I was getting quite vexed. But I'm like, <laughs> it was so loud. And the boys are getting footage. Dan's like, get footage. Film it, boys. And I'm, I'm rebuking it. I'm on my own here rebuking this thing. 
and there's, there's trucks. We can't see the road ahead of us. There's trucks pulling off the road. So we pull off for a second, but Dan's like, why? We're just going to get bashed up. Let's power through. So we keep going. I'm rebuking it. Within minutes, we're through it, and it's behind us. Well, there's not a single mark on the windscreen. The whole bonnet hood is ding, 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 all over it, right? But not a mark on the windscreen. I swear to you, I swear that should have shattered. It was so loud. But God, okay? Amen. That's the second one. It sounds like I had a horrible time, but I'm just telling you the drama because it's exciting. And then that's the second. So then we get, we've got that tire fixed. Then we get to El Paso alive and uh, <laughs> hallelujah and this tire over here is flat one two three and I'm talking to this one don't you dare you stay this one's flat as a pancake now we're at a hotel now so Dan says you know it's too late to do anything tonight we'll do something in the morning again in the morning lovely Texans don't worry we'll come to you we'll fix that thing and then Dan decides it was a good idea to take our family shooting guns in Texas for the first time. Do we have any slides about guns? Can you see any? Have a look, David. There's some in there. While our lovely assistant has a look for guns, maybe not. If not, well, I've never shot a gun before. I was just talking in Michigan. I said, I never shot a gun before. Hands up if you shot a gun. Everybody raised their arms. I'm like, oh, Michigan. So... As if my nerves weren't shot to pieces, Dan decides it's a good idea for us as a family to go shooting guns, including my 10-year-old. But it was awesome. <laughs> it was really good. Okay, so these are some of the adventures. What else have we got there? We've got some other pictures of... This is the Grand Canyon. Of course, I was... I don't know if there's one of me, but I was way far from the edge. I was tested there. My boys were on the edge taking selfies, and I'm, like, way back. Is there any more? Oh, that's me on the glass walkway. Dan had to walk. I'm just telling you, I'm ashamed of this, but he had to walk me round. I didn't even look down. Like, I, I did it! I did it! And then I shuffled backwards and sat in for the picture. That is on the canyon. That's glass. You can see right through. Have you done that? That's nuts. What else have we got? Let's see. There's Dan, the man. He's not afraid of anything. And anything else we've got there? That's on the Grand Canyon. Oh, that's me at the Spice Conference. That's <laughs> Ironically, I'm speaking at that conference afterwards, and I'm writing my message in the car, going through all these trials, and God's delivering us, but it's all drama, drama, drama. What other pictures have we got over there? Okay. <laughs> that's me. I survived. Okay. Well, is there another picture? That one? Okay. Leave that one up there. This is a story I want to tell you in a second. Um, that's me on the far right looking really gormless. I always look gormless in pictures. That's me in Sunday school. I was about five. You can leave that up there. I don't know if we've got any other pictures. So anyway, why am I telling you all this? Just because you haven't seen me for a while. And I thought, you know, I believe that when you get up to say something, it needs to be your life experience. And I'm experiencing stuff all the time. Yesterday, we had a bit of a drama over at the hospital. Some of you knew we were interceding for a situation. And it did end. But sadly, the person who was holding the gun was shot. Um, let's just pray for his family for grace. Um, but we are always going to be confronted with stuff. And it's going to escalate in the days ahead. We're getting brighter, but the earth is getting darker. And we win. That's, that's the end of it. We win. But we must be people who know how to pray. 
So this morning I want to talk to you about prayer and intercession. So don't switch off. I'm not talking about sitting in, your, in the dungeon weeping and holding the burden of the world. Actually, you're not meant to hold the burden of the world. Jesus did. We're meant to just agree with heaven and pray the will of heaven down. And if you get that, you'll understand that what intercession is, okay? So I want to talk about prayer that actually changes things. I believe that on my watch, during my stay on this planet, in whatever geographical location I'm in, I have authority and I can pray to change things. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Not because I'm special, but because the Holy Spirit of God lives in me. That I'm going to talk about prayer that um, can prevent disaster. Our prayers prevent disaster. Our prayers can push back the forces of darkness. Our prayers bring transformation, healing, and hope, and enforce the kingdom of God to the world around us. Amen? Amen. So, I believe that every Christian is called to pray, and every Christian, actually, is called to be an intercessor to some degree. Did you know that? Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't want to be an intercessor. That's boring. No, we're all called to be intercessors. Yeah. Jesus is the ultimate intercessor. The Bible says he's ever before the face of the Father making intercession for us. To intercede means going before the face of the Father on behalf of someone else. That's all it means. It's no fancy words for it. That's what intercession is. Yeah? <laughs> 1 Timothy 2 verse, chapter 2 verse 1 to 5 is probably the most quoted scripture this year and the last year with the election and Brexit. Everyone's praying. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 to 5. What does it say? You don't need to turn to it. I'll read it to you and you'll know it as soon as I say it. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. As you make your requests, plead for God's mercy upon them and give thanks. Pray this way for kings and all others who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and godly and quiet lives. This is good and pleases God our Father and our Saviour, for he wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. First of all, pray. Not, first of all, slag everyone off on Facebook and put your opinions out there and believe what the media tell you. First of all, pray. Pray for all men everywhere. During that whole time, I had to close my eyes and ears to a bunch of media because even Christians were saying things they shouldn't. First of all, pray. I'll get off my hobby horse there. So Jesus showed us how to do it. He didn't do anything that he didn't see the Father doing. Right? In John 5:19, it says, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. John 8:28 says, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And John 12:49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave a command, what I should say and what I should speak. I believe that if we as believers start to pray like Jesus prayed and imitate him, we listen and we hear and we do, then we will have great success in the world around us, in our own personal spheres and in the wider sphere, in our cities and in our country. I personally believe when there's enough Christians in a city, that city belongs to Jesus. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You have authority, I have authority. You don't have authority over someone else's will, but you have authority to intercede and to pray, to change the atmosphere and allow the Holy Spirit to draw someone by his irresistible love. Amen? So I'm going to give you a simple Dan Reynolds acronym this morning, and we'll come back to that picture in a minute. So pray, P-R-A-Y, that's easy, isn't it? Nice and simple. 
The first one, P, position yourself to see and hear. In Habakkuk 2 verse 1 it says, I will stand at my guard post, station myself on the tower. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me. That's a strange word, isn't it? I will keep watch to see what he will say to me. When we are positioned in the secret place, ever before the face of the Father, the most important thing for you and me as Christians, our personal walk with God, our cultivating our secret place with God, seeking the Father, seeking his face, listening, position yourself to see and hear. Something happens. Your spiritual antenna goes up. You start to hear God more than you ever have before. You hear him through the word, you hear him through others, you hear the still small voice of the Lord in your spirit man, that's how I hear him, I hear a voice inside. But also he speaks through our dreams. I've learned a lot about dreams this year. We could put that picture up again, love, if, if you can. There you go, that's me in my Sunday school days. Now I wanna show you this picture because I've learned a lot about dreams this year from my dream interpreter, Shauna. Many of you go to her with dreams and it's, she's got a gift from the Lord. She really hears clearly and it's grounded in the word of God. And I've learned that God is speaking through dreams all the time. But for years I ignored it. And when I was in the UK, the first trip, you know, I'd been going, I went for three months, came back, went for four months, came back, went for three months, came back. And then I was just there for two weeks. So during that time, the first trip, I had a dream. In the dream, I'm always praying, and the more I was in England, I prayed a lot, because I wasn't at home. It was a challenging situation for me to uproot my family and leave you lot who I love and leave the city that I love and the vision that I have for this place. But I'm praying, I'm praying, and I start to see things. So in my dream, I see a family. I see a man and a woman's face in front of me. For the sake of the recording, they're called Bill and Sue Wright, and they had a bunch of boys with curly hair, See over here, there's this little smiley face with curly hair. That's the eldest. We'll call him for the sake of the recording, Ted, because they might listen to this. And that's my sister. She always looked better in pictures than me. I turned out better looking. She's not here to defend herself. She got all the brains. Um, anyway, so that's me. That's, I was probably about five. This is my Sunday school class in Bradford-on-Avon Christian Fellowship. That is a town just outside of Bath, it's Saxon, it's really cute, you can Google it. People come from all over the world to see that place. So, this is my Sunday school class. I knew this family, the Wright family, when I was five, okay? So like 10 years ago. <laughs> Never gets old, I'm always talking about age. Um, anyway, then I knew the oldest, he was in a band and we used to go to his gigs in Moncton Farley Village Hall. We were his groupies, until I was about 13, and then I lost touch with them. So we're talking 30 years ago, I'm 44, we're talking about 30 years ago. I haven't seen this family, I haven't thought about them, and in the dream, I see the mum and the dad in my face and shadows of young men behind them. But I didn't see them as they would look then, I saw them as they would look now, older, aged, and, but I totally knew who they were. I wake up the next day, I thought, that's strange. And then I go to the building in the city of Bath for a, an event. We had these tables and we we're eating a meal and we we're all sitting around. And my friend Pete was sitting on a table and he's sitting next to this young man. And I'm looking at him thinking, wow, he looks the spitting image of those features. 
He looked like that family, but I would never have seen him as an adult. I would have seen him as a toddler or a baby. So I go up to my friend Pete. I said, who's that bloke? He says, so-and-so, right. I went, I dreamt about his family last night. That's so weird. So I go up to him, and I say, you don't know me, but your dad is Bill, your mum is Sue, you're the right family. You've got an older brother called Ted and a load of brothers, haven't you? I don't know what's going on in your family, but I dreamt about them last night. My name's Fiona Campbell, Boba May's daughter, Bradford Naven Christian Fellowship. Can you please send my love to your family? What's going on with them? And they, he said, well, my brother's not walking with the Lord. He lives somewhere else, and my parents live outside of town. I says, okay, well, I don't know what it means, but could you please send my love? Fiona Campbell, Bob May's daughter, Bradford Naven Christian Fellowship. Don't forget! <laughs> and then tell him I'm praying for him. This was in the first trip. I don't hear anything for months and months. I'm praying, I'm interceding, I'm praying. Thinking, that's weird, I wonder why God gave me a dream. So I'm praying. Then I start to hear through the grapevine or different people, that family were particularly involved in the church we're now helping and had left maybe a little hurt. I don't know, I don't want to know, but God's given me a dream. So this, God's at work doing something. In this last trip, I'm over there with Shauna, my dream guru, <laughs> and... Um, we go for a run along the river, and then we come, and we're in the supermarket, all sweaty, in our running clothes, and there they are, walking towards me, exactly like they looked in the dream. I jumped on them like a mad woman. I said, Tony and uh, Bill and Joy Wright, whatever, whatever your name is, I'm going to forget the name. Bill and Sue Wright, Fiona Campbell, Bob May's daughter, Bradford Naven Christian Fellowship. I had a dream about you, and the next day I saw your son at the building. Did he send my love? Did he send my love? They are, like, bewildered by me. And then they said... What? What? You, you, you dreamt about us last fall and then in real life you saw our other son? I said, yes, I've been praying for you. What's going on? And she's crying. And this, by this time she's crying and she said, we've heard that things are going well at the church there, that Dan Reynolds has got involved, there's life again, the presence of God is back. And we've been praying for a way to come back. And we didn't realize you were the fee married to the Dan that we know all those years ago in the innocent days. This is God's thing. This is what he does. He gives someone a dream that's an innocent. Their memories of me would have been the happy days, raising the kids with other mums and dads. I remember those days, revival in Bradford Navon. Hundreds of Christians worshiping God together. They were the innocent days. God uses something like that to say, it's all right to come home now. It's safe. I've made a way. They were there on the Sunday, me and my mum got to minister to her, and she's looking in my face like a little girl, and she says, is it really going to be all right? I says, Sue, why would God give me a dream if it wasn't your time and your year of jubilee? God's about to turn this around. God is always redemptive. Everything he does is always redemptive to bring people back to himself. And I learned this from Shauna, that what you, most of our dreams are about us, but when God gives you a dream about somebody else, it's because he trusts you with them. I, you know what? That made it all worth it for me, that he trusted me with a family, a mature, believing family that had been hurt and by the wayside. God wants them back in the family. Isn't that awesome? I had to tell you because that's my favorite thing that happened. <laughs> it was awesome. And then, anyway, I'll move on. But one thing also, I didn't know this, but... There were apparently 19 documented dreams about the Titanic, warning about it, but no one listened. Don't you think it's God's heart that none of those people died? So many things through history. Our God wants to save. He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to the knowledge of the truth. He's so good. So even when he's, if you position yourself to see and hear, he's going to speak. And 
We need to be receptacles of his glory, ready for this information. It could be information about your neighbours that you couldn't possibly know. You know, Sean was telling me that you sleep a third of your life, so I figure I might as well make it productive. I'm clearly more alert in my sleep than I am when I'm awake. So I'm saying, God, give me more information. Like, I could have information for somebody in Target today, like, in my dreams. I'm just saying, we need to set our sights on something bigger here, okay? Let's just read... I want to read that passage you read, Job 33. I'm getting all, I'm, she's prepared all my notes for me. <laughs> Job 33 says in this verse 15, he speaks in dreams, in visions of the night when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in bed. He whispers in their ear and terrifies them with his warning. He causes them to change their minds. He keeps them from pride. He keeps them from the grave, from crossing over the river of death. Isn't that interesting? God wants to speak to us, not just in dreams, but position yourself to see and hear what the Father wants. That's the beginning of the prayer life. What does he want, right? And now our family is restored. Let's move on to R. R stands for relentlessly go after that. Once you position yourself to see and hear what your Father wants, in your situation, in your life, relentlessly go after that. When we read James 5.16, which says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results, or the heartfelt, persistent prayer of a righteous man or believer can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. When we read that scripture, it's not for stuff we want, I believe. It's for when we hear what the Father wants, we relentlessly go after that. And we fervently go after that. Yesterday, when I heard the news from Vicky Thomas, who works for Channel 9, she texted me and said, are you aware something's going on over there at Delmar Hospital? Thankfully, I had time on my hands, so I spent two hours interceding and speaking to the situation. I'm sure many of you did too, but we relentlessly go after it. We know it's not God's will that any perish. We know it's not his will that we have this in our town, on our watch. I looked up the definition of fervent, and it says having or displaying a passionate intensity, enthusiastic, ardent, blazing, wholehearted, zealous, glowing, burning, perseverant, purposeful, urgent, vehement, passionate, industrious, gung-ho. So when you read that scripture, be gung-ho about it. When you hear something from God and you're persevering and interceding for someone, Go after it with everything you've got. Be passionate about it. Don't be the opposite, apathetic, indifferent, unenthusiastic, unexcited, flippant, unconcerned, unpurposeful, unthoughtful, unpassionate. And I like to say dull. <laughs> Don't be dull. <laughs> There's no condemnation, but if you're sitting there thinking, I am a bit dull, just say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm not going to be dull anymore. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> Don't waste any time today. We're all in this together. We all can be fervent together. Okay, let's move on to A. I want to talk about authority and angels. When you position yourself to see and hear what Father wants, you relentlessly go after it. You have authority to do what he wants you to do. And you have angels working for you. Yeah. It's a win-win. We're already praying his will. So authority. Ten, Luke 10, 19 and Matthew 18, 18. Very well-known passages. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. 
and crush them, and nothing will injure you. And then it says in Matthew 18, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, there's a lot more to these scriptures. I know that, but there is a sense here. You have authority to do what God's given you to do, and it's up to you and me what we permit in our metron, in our sphere, in our authority. This is our authority, this city. There's enough Christians in St. Charles and Geneva, Batavia. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We have authority over our sphere. You have authority, first of all, over your own life and your family, over your city. It's up to you what you permit. It's up to you what you tolerate or what you obliterate, I like to say. <laughs> we need to decide we're not going to tolerate this anymore. Like when I hear stuff going on here, I mean, we don't live in war-torn area. We're not expecting it. But these are the days we're living in, we've got to know, we need to be ready and say, okay, not on my watch. No, I'm not permitting this in my town. Amen? Amen. I'm not permitting this in my high school. I'm not permitting this in my workplace. Yeah. I have a friend in another city, I'm not going to name names, but she was telling me that her friend works for an organization that um, helps women keep their babies, okay? Now, these Christian-run clinics set themselves up outside clinics that do the opposite. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm speaking in code. And they have successfully shut down every single one of these other clinics except from one in their city. I think that's a great victory, right? So, now, here's what's interesting. This woman's a lovely Christian, but she goes to a big church. She feels alone. She doesn't feel covered by prayer. So, my friend's telling me, and I said, well, she doesn't have to come to our church, but we'll pray for and cover in prayer. Why don't you text a few people and we'll have a network of people interceding and praying, covering her in prayer? Because she said, you know what's interesting? The people who protest outside the Christian clinics are the Satanists from the Satanist church in that city. And I, and I wasn't being bolshy or anything like that. I just was like, why is there a Satanist church in that city? There's tons of Christians in that city. Why are they allowing that in their city? They, what? There's a real life church. It's gone public. Normally they're secretive. I know all about that in Britain. But I'm like, normally they're secretive. Why is that going on openly in a city with all those Christians? I'm sorry, but that's how I think. I'm like, why are we permitting this? So I'm driving home and I'm praying and interceding and you know, I don't mess with that stuff lightly. I cover myself with the precious blood of Jesus and I'm totally protected. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood for you, it's not only for your salvation, it's for your protection. And you can then warfare and bind the enemy. You have full authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. So I started to warfare and intercede and of course it kicks up a notch. But my point is, we need to decide there needs to be a righteous indignation that rises up in us and an awareness of what's going on in our city. And I've been challenged by this. We need to take ownership of our city for Jesus, yeah. right? That you're not just coming to church to get along and get your next fix. Poor you, are you okay? The Lord loves you. He's going to give you everything you need for life and godliness. But you have a job to do. I have a job to do. We collectively have a job to do in a city. So as we reach arms to other churches, praying together, and we let that increase, that the church of Jesus Christ in every city across the globe takes ownership of their city and realize, not on my watch, that's not going to go on, this belongs to Jesus. And how do I pray? I don't pray, oh Lord, send your fire down, kill them all. <laughs> no, we <laughs> that's not how we pray. We pray, 
Lord, reveal yourself to those people. They're deceived. They're sincerely deceived. So, Lord, reveal yourself. I ask right now, I bind you, Satan, over those people, you lying spirits. You get off them in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I'm asking that you open their eyes, you open their ears, and you soften their hearts to the gospel. Holy Spirit, do what you do best and draw them by your irresistible love. And you intercede. And the more of us are praying, we're going to see people. So many testimonies. When I was a little girl, we had witches in our front room getting radically born again delivered set free never to look back those blessed people god doesn't want them to perish he wants them to be turned from their weirdness and turn to him <laughs> you get my point okay but we need to be aware what's going on okay so that's our authority a you have angels working for you <laughs> I'm not going to do an exhaustive study on angels and tell you there's an angel over there called Claire. I don't know. I know I've got <laughs> angels all around me. I don't know. I, I mean, I, they're really helpful. They've looked after me for 44 years, and believe me, I've given them a run for their money. But um, the Bible says in Hebrews 1.14, you are, are not all the angels ministering spirits sent out by God to serve, accompany, and protect those who will inherit salvation. And the Amplified says, of course they are. <laughs> of course they are. They're working for you. Now, I was so aware during this whole journey that I, I was just cushioned by angels. Everything we prayed for, we were always okay. I was in two snowstorms, one in the mountains of Utah, Utah, one in the mountains of Colorado. In Utah, Dan had to pull over because he couldn't see the road. And we're at some deserted rest station. You can't see anything. We're up a mountain. And the boys go to the loo, he goes to sleep, and I speak to that thing. Stop snowing, sun come out, dry up in Jesus' name. Stop snowing, sun come out, and dry up in Jesus' name. Stop snowing, sun come out, and dry up in Jesus' name. I mean, I did it for like five minutes, and it stopped snowing. The sun came out, and it dried up. Dan wakes up and goes, what's going on? I said, I've been rebuking it. We've got to get down this mountain. <laughs> I really discovered I love harbors and boats, not so much high mountain roads. So then we're in Colorado, same again, snowstorm. And you know what? Just, oh, thank you, Lord. Somebody had the ingenuity to build some tunnels <laughs> through the mountains. So we're way up high, and then there's a tunnel. I think, how are we going to get down? There's a lovely tunnel, lit, enclosed. goes on for ages. Hallelujah for tunnels. Anyway, <laughs> he has his angels working for us. Psalm 91, 11 says, For he will command his angels in regard to you to protect and defend you and guard you in all your ways of obedience and service. Psalm 34, verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. And my personal favorite, Psalm 103, 20 and 21. Praise the Lord, you angels of his, you mighty creatures who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Note, they're listening for each of his commands. When we speak the word of God out of our mouth, they're watching over his word to perform it. Angels are waiting for their assignments. And we're oblivious to it most of the time. Maybe you're not. I am, as I'm obviously more awake in my sleep. But... Um, <laughs> We need to be aware that, you know, we, our prayers are powerful and effective and we're speaking the word of God and we're decreeing and declaring over our city and we're speaking life. The angels are watching over his word to perform it. They're waiting. They're ready. And there's armies of them. I'm sure we're well outnumbered. So you've probably got a lot working for you. We need to know that. Not that we spend time thinking, oh, great, the angels working for me. But 
we position ourselves to see and hear what he wants. We relentlessly go after that. That's prophetic intercession, by the way. When you're praying for somebody else's situation, and then you hear what God says about them, and then you pray back to him what he says, you, that's prophetic intercession. You're praying back to him what he's already said. It's a win-win. If he, he wants it more than we do, right? We relentlessly go after that. We have authority to do. We have permission, full permission from heaven to do. And we have angels working for us. And finally, why? Yes from heaven. It's a yes from heaven. If we as Christians will get this, it's so simple. This is not an exhaustive study. If you're wanting an exhaustive study, there's books on it. But this is simple for every believer to grab hold of. Every single one, man, woman, and child. I'm going to pray what he wants. I'm going to go after that. I've got authority. I've got angels. And it's a yes. So Job 22, verse 26 to 30. Then you will delight yourself in the Almighty and look up to God. You will pray to him and he will hear you. And you will fulfill your vows to him. Whatever you decide or decree to do will be accomplished and light shall shine on the road ahead of you. I love this bit. If someone is brought low and you say, help him up, God will save the downcast. Then even sinners will be rescued by your pure hands. You, just, we, you and me just have to go for God, just worship him, adore him, give him everything, pursue him, make the secret place the most important thing every day of our lives, not just Sunday morning, we're like, whoop, 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 then we're down in the week. We, we seek him. We've got to seek him like never before. He said to us before, I want my people to pursue me as if their lives depended on it, and they do. If people weren't praying yesterday, I guarantee there would be a different result. I know God was at work. It's sad that the, the person who did the crime has died. We pray for his family. Pray. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they are. We need to pray the gospel all over that family. But it could have been a lot worse. But you know what? Believers were interceding and praying. We're holding back the forces of darkness. We are the force in the earth that does that. If we don't pray, if we don't catch a vision for this, we'll just carry on playing church for another 50, 60, 100 years. And, but that's not... That's not what God wants. He wants his kids back. He wants his earth back. There is a statement that uh, Mr. Bill Johnson made at this conference I was just at, which was fantastic, really refreshing. And he said something that just resonated with me. And he said this, he watches over the watch of those who watch him. I think that's profound, personally. He watches over the watch of those who watch him. If our eyes are fixed on, Father, what do you want today? When I get up in the morning, what do you want? Speak to me in my dreams. Instruct me. Give me information I couldn't possibly know. Lord, what do you want today? Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Father, use me. Show me. He watches over the watch of those who watch him. Just like it says um, in Chronicles that he's watching. His eyes are running throughout the whole earth, looking for a, a people whose heart is fully committed to him. Not whose heart is oh, apathetic. I'm maybe there on a Sunday, I'm a bit bored. It's really boring. I can't wait to eat. I can't wait to watch the football. It's so boring. God's so boring. God's massive. He's creator of the universe. You know what? The most thrilling thing to me is when I hear God speak to me and then I see something come to pass. It's so thrilling still. I've been saved since I was six years old. It never gets boring to hear his voice, to have contact with the almighty, the creator. It's the most exciting thing. We're saved. We're Christians. If you're bored today in any way, shape or form, just ask the Lord, Father, please change my heart because I want to be passionate. 
I want to be fervent. I want to be gung-ho. I don't want to be dull. He doesn't condemn you. He never condemns us. He's so kind. But he says, come on, today's the day. Get on fire and stay on fire. And he watches over the watch of those who watch him. If we're praying like this every day, we're going to see our city changed. And I was just challenged lately. I thought, I don't even know the mayor's name. So I Googled it. I thought, I need to know my mayor's name. I should be praying for my mayor. Raymond, his name is Raymond. <laughs> we pray for Raymond. <laughs> but like, we should know what our city needs. You know, maybe you do, but let's together, let's find out what does this city need? Not good ideas. Let's get God ideas. Let's position ourselves to see and hear and be so much more productive. Okay? Okay, can we please stand? And we're going to read a, a declaration together if we've got it. Is that one okay to do? Oh, you're brilliant. Okay, let's just say this together. I hope this was helpful. I just love seeing your lovely faces and spitting at you. <laughs> and I'm glad the AC's broken. I'm not going through menopause. Okay, let's read this together. One, two, three. My prayers are powerful and effective. Heaven hears my voice. In fact, I'm a world changer on my knees before I even stand up. I pray the answer, not the problem. I hear my heavenly father and I pray what he wants. Therefore, I'm confident my prayers will be answered. So I thank you, Father, that as I partner with you, I will see my world changed for your glory. Amen. Let's just lift our hands to him right now. Father, we just thank you so much for commissioning each one of us to this life, that to serve you, to love you, to know you. And Lord, as we seek your face today in our homes and throughout this week, Lord, I'm asking that you would just download information from heaven, your plan, your ideas, your strategies to reach our neighbors, to reach our friends, to reach this city in the name of Jesus. And Father, again, together we lift up that man's family, the man who was shot and killed yesterday. We don't know his story, but you do. And Lord, I'm asking that you would just pour out your spirit on it, every relation he has, that you'd reveal yourself, open their eyes, open their ears, and soften their hearts to you. Lord, that you'd draw them by your irresistible love, Father, in the name of Jesus. We give you glory and praise that no other people were injured. And we just cover this city with your precious blood. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. Not, and we say, not on our watch. We're not going to allow this stuff to go on. We want to see our city touched for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Love you. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>